let's take our Bibles and turn to uh, turn to First John chapter two, First John chapter two, and let's talk about getting involved in uh, getting involved in our family. Let's talk about the family that God has blessed us with. Um, the The Bible tells us that the church is a body. We're uh, God has has put the the church together as He sees fit. Uh, he puts each person in the in the body of the local church as as He sees would would be best and and he brings each one to the local church because he knows what the church needs and he knows what we need individually as well but we're a, we're a family and a family a family uh, works together and functions together. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes families fight together, but they shouldn't be doing that. Uh, we should we should grow and and learn uh, learn more about how we should relate with one another, so that we're honoring the Lord with our lives. And. And uh, we want to talk about how, how our family functions, and we want to talk about some aspects of our family this morning, and, uh, and learn from the Word of God uh, why it's important that we function in, in, in love and in grace and, and letting God lead us as a, as a family. Let's look here in, in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 7. The Bible says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. Now, he, he's saying, I'm writing a new commandment, but, it's, but notice as he's writing this, it almost seems to be a little bit confusing, because he says, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but I'm writing a new commandment to you. Now, what we need to understand here is, is uh, the English language, we're, we're limited on our words. For instance, the word, the word love. We have one word for love, and, and we'll talk more about this in just a little bit. In the Greek language, they had at least, they had several, they had, uh, and we'll talk about three of those uh, this morning. Uh, but the word new, the word new here, uh, it, it has a couple of different meanings. One of the meanings is, is new, like it's brand new. It's a new concept or a new, uh, a, a new product or something like that. It's new in time. It's brand new. Uh, then there's another meaning for the word new, and it's new in, in character. Uh, and and he's, he's saying, look, this is an old commandment that's, that's been around from the beginning, but it may be new to you. It's a new, it's a new concept I'm teaching to you. It's a new commandment that I'm bringing to you. We've not, in, in his, his letters, maybe he's, he's saying, uh, we've not talked about this in this, in this uh, light before. So I want you to look at it like this. So it's, it's new to us. And, and he says, a new commandment I'm bringing to you. And he said, he said because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Now we, from, the, from our past uh, weeks, our past studies, we've seen how, how the, the light that he's talking about is the light of, of Jesus Christ and his holiness, uh, the light of his love and the life that, that he offers to us. This life and this, this, uh, this light rather and this light is is it is the light of the love of God we see the love of God evident throughout this throughout this uh, this epistle 
and he's telling us, I want you to, I want you to understand that you need to walk in love. You need to grow in, in your understanding of the Word of God. Grow in your, in your application of the Word of God, but grow in love toward one another. Learn how to operate in love. Uh, as, as these parents that were here uh, presenting their children to the Lord and asking the Lord to bless their children and to bless them with wisdom as they raise their children, because they love their children, they want to, they want to teach them in love, but one of the ways they're going to teach them is in grace. They're going to teach them with grace. They're going, to, they're going to graciously guide their children, not harshly. See, parents are, parents are, to, are to lovingly, uh, like a shepherd, is going to guide his sheep and to, and to teach his sheep and train his sheep. He's a, 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 a shepherd is, uh, is leading the sheep and, and showing the sheep which way to go. Uh, a shepherd is not a cowboy driving the, she, uh, driving the sheep like a cowboy drives his cattle, right? Uh, we have the, the picture of a, a cowboy, you know, taking a whip or something and, and, uh, and driving the cattle along and getting them, to, getting them to move. That's not the way that parents are to operate. Parents are lovingly to teach and train their children. Uh, and, and through their love, the children respond in love and want to follow. So the Bible tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The more you learn about, about God, the more you learn about Jesus Christ, the more you're going to learn of His love. The more you're going to understand of His love for you. And, the, and I'll tell you, the way it usually happens is the more we l learn and understand His love the more we're going to love Him. And the more we love Him, the more we want to serve Him and please Him. And the more we want to stay away from sin. And the more we do that, the more He blesses us. And the more He blesses us, the more we love Him, right? And we're understanding more of His love. And it's just a, it's just a wonderful little cycle there. Jesus said in John chapter, uh, John chapter 13, He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved loved you, that you also love one another. Jesus is saying, I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Now, husbands and wives, it shouldn't be very hard for you to love one another, should it? Parents, and uh, parents, it shouldn't be very hard for you to love your children. Now, I, now, I'll tell you this, sometimes with a spouse or even with a child, you, you love them, you might not like them all the time, <laughs> right? But you love them. I, there, I'm sure that, uh, let me ask you, pray for Mackenzie. Y'all pray for Mackenzie. There's, I, am, I am a stubborn knucklehead. And there's probably plenty of times when she loves me, but she doesn't like me. Right? So y'all pray for her, that God will give her grace to like me. No, no, no. Pray for me that I will be more likable, right? And uh, that I will do what's right. Because we, we need to love each other. I'm glad that when I'm not likable, she doesn't kick me to the curb. And say, done with you. No, I'm glad that her love covers a multitude of my sins, right? And, and a multitude of my downfalls and my errors, my shortcomings. She loves me anyway. And, and we ought to love each other. See, the Bible says Jesus told us a new commandment given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How did Jesus love us? He loved us completely, didn't he? He loved us unconditionally. He loved us in spite of our sin. He loved us so much that He took our sin and paid the price for our sin. That's the way He loved us. And in our love for Him, 
We ought to, we ought to strive to, to avoid sin in our lives. And when we do sin, we should be quick to repent of it. And in our love for Him, we should grow in our love for one another. And, we, and as we grow in our love for one another, we're going to, we're going to uh, as the Bible says, uh, forbearing one another, loving one another, and encouraging one another, forgiving one another. The, the Bible teaches us to do these things. Jesus went on and he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, I believe that this is an element of our lives that are, that's missing uh, this is an element of the Christian life that's missing in a lot of churches today. Now, there might be a lot of talk about love, but it's not biblical love. Again, remember I, I said there are three different, uh, three different uh, definitions of love, three different words uh, that we'll be talking about today uh, that were Greek words that were, that were translated love. One of them, one of them is agape. Now, the word agape is 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 a is a Greek word that's that's it's translated charity in First Corinthians thirteen, and and it's it basically is God's kind of love. It's loving God's way. And, and God loved us, again, unconditionally. He loved us completely. Uh, the Bible says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. See, charity, godly love, agape love, is not going to be, is not going to be putting itself first. Agape love is not going to be, uh, agape is not, it's not going to be uh, uh, envying one another. It's not going to be jealous of one another. Uh, when we love God, God's way, when we practice this agape, uh, we're, we're going to be, we're, we're not going to be boasting of ourselves. We're not going to try to be the center of attention. What we're going to do is we're going to try to keep the focus on Jesus Christ, and we're going to love others. The Bible says, let each esteem other as better than themselves. You know, if there's somebody that's better, we want to point the attention there, Right? So we're pointing the attention to everybody, but we want to point the attention to the best, and that's Jesus Christ, right? So draw attention to Him. Let, let Him be exalted. Let Him be honored and glorified. That's agape, uh, when we're loving God's way. Then there's another kind of love, and, and I always, always butcher this one. It's uh, phileo. Uh, it's, it's the word that, that, uh, the, that our, our name uh, Philadelphia came from. The city of brotherly love. And phileo is basically, that's brotherly love. It is, it is, it's, it's a real good, a strong like for one another. And this is the word that Peter used when he was, when he was answering Jesus there on the, uh, the banks of, of Galilee there. When Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I feel you. Phileo or whatever, however you say that. Uh, he said, Jesus, you know I really like you. And Jesus said, but Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I like you. We're buddies. I've walked with you for three years. He had just denied him, but uh, denied knowing him three times. Uh, but, uh, but he said, but then Jesus said, Peter, do you even like me? Peter's like, Lord, you know. And he was, he was ashamed because the Lord had asked him those three times if he loved him. 
And, and so the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, shows us this difference. So there's, there's agape, that's God's kind of love. There's phileo, that's this brotherly love, this real strong like. There's another term that is, that is most of the time used in our day and time when people say, I love you. And it's eros. It's the word from which we get our word erotic. It's a perverse love. It is a very self-centered love. It is, it is a, I'll love you if you do these things that please me. But that's not the kind of love we see in the Word of God. And that's not the kind of love we should have for one another. Husbands and wives, many times, many times we'll hear husbands and wives say, say, well, I don't love them anymore. And all they're really saying is, they're not pleasing me erotically any longer. So I'm done with them. That's not the kind of love that we should have for one another. We should have this unconditional love. This love that, that gives and this love that gives in spite of what we receive in return. See, the Bible says, for God so loved. He agape. He showed God's kind of love because he's God, right? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loved us to the, pl to the point where he gave himself regardless of who would respond. And it's available for whosoever. And even if you reject Jesus Christ, even if you reject God's Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal, everlasting Son of God, He still loves you. He still loves you and He still wants you to come to Him. He still wants you to receive His gift of eternal life. That's the kind of love He had for us. And that's the kind of love he wants us to demonstrate to one another. He said, as I have loved you. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. If you have this kind of love that's unconditional, this kind of love that, that shows itself through, uh, through the service that we, that we give to one another, the things that we will do and the way we live, not expecting anything in return. We ought to love one another. This kind of love is not going to be judgmental. This kind of love is not going to be critical. It's not going to be sitting there, you know, with his arms folded, looking, at, looking around to see who's doing what and who's not. This kind of love is, it's not going to kind of look past the surface and try to, try to uh, impose motivations upon people. Yeah, they're doing that just because, you know. It's, that's not this kind of love. This kind of love is going to love regardless. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. That means it's not rude. Do you know there's never an excuse to be rude? Never. Even if someone is rude to you, it's not an excuse to be rude. Well, they did it to me first. And? The Bible says that if one smites you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. That's not saying don't protect your own and, and all of that. It's, that's not what it's saying. But it's saying, hey, don't, don't be somebody that's looking for a fight. And if somebody smites you on the right cheek, you probably deserved it, didn't you? No. Um, uh, he's, but we ought, to, we ought to show love. There's never, uh, there's never an excuse for being rude. 
is, is not unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Some of us, our fuse is so short, we're, we're going off before the, before the wick is lit. We're blowing up. That wick is so short. You know, some people have a long, you know, their, their wick gets lit and it's but not us. Somebody you know, strikes a match and boom, we're already blowing up. Because we're ready. Our, our, our temper's already up. Our sensitivity is, so, is, is set on high so that the least little thing, we're just boom, blowing up. That's not right. You might say, well, that's, that's just how I am. Well, you're just wrong. Amen? That's just how I've always been. Well, you just need to change how you've just always been. And that's because the way we've always been, if it's not right, then we need to get right, don't we? Because we want to show the love of Christ. We want to show His love through our actions, our attitudes, through our words. My mama used to always tell me, and, and Mackenzie's told me since then too, since, uh, since we got married, that sometimes I have a way of saying things that just doesn't sound nice. So I try really hard. Um, but I, I, I've been battling some, some sickness this week, and, and uh, the la uh, recently I was, I was correcting one of the boys for something. Mackenzie said, said hey, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but let me, let me remind you, when you're not feeling well, sometimes you, you say things in a way that doesn't come across as kindly as you want. So I had to back off and try to say it nicely. <laughs> Amen? Hey, we need to do those things. When, when we do wrong, we need to make it right. We need to be as kind as, and, and, and loving as God, would, as God would show us through His example that we should be. It's not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We don't have a critical spirit. We're loving one another and expecting the best out of each other. Loving them and just not, not fabricating, not, not thinking, hey, well, they're just doing this and that. Hey, that, you know, our, our, our uh, assumptions, just us assuming that somebody is doing something, it, it can cause a wall, it can cause a division in our fellowship. They might not be up to anything wrong, but if we assume they are, there's a wall there, and it's not their fault. It's ours, right? Because we have not shown the love that God would have us to. We're just assuming that they're doing wrong. And we need to work on that. We need to repent of those things, and we need to love God's way. Hey, how can we as a church function together if we have a critical spirit about each other? How can we as a church function in, in the way that God would be pleased if, if, we are, if we are being rude to one another, if we're not loving one another, and if we're not realizing that, that people are growing at different, place, at different paces in their Christian life? Uh, see, love, look at, uh, look at point number, uh, takeaway number one. Uh, point one is love, and takeaway number one is love for God and others must be the basis for everything we do. Love for God and others must be the basis for everything we do. Remember, Jesus was asked the question, uh, what, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, the greatest commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And he said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love them like you love yourself. Now we, how, do, how much do we love ourselves? Oh, we love ourselves, don't we? 
I mean, we might come across wrong to somebody, but we're going we're gonna to excuse it. We're going to explain it. We're going to have a justification for our actions or whatever, and we're going to try to cover our... Hey, why, don't we, why don't we, in our hearts, why don't we have a justification for what somebody else has done rather than just assuming why don't we show some grace to them? Many times we're really good at wanting grace from others, but we're not good at giving grace to others. And that stems from a heart of love. Grace is going to come from a heart of love. We're going to show grace when we love like we ought to. I'm not saying that we never address sins. The Bible says if you see a brother overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, go to them and restore them. And we should do that. We should be in the business of restoration. The Bible says God has given us the ministry, that service, serving. And that comes from a servant, right? Uh, a servant should be humble and, and serving. Uh, God has given us this ministry of reconciliation, putting, putting relationships back together. First of all, the relationship between us and God between men and God. Hey, we have the ministry of reconciliation going and showing the love. Many, hey, I, wonder, I wonder how many, how many of our loved ones, how many of our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, I wonder how many of them would, would turn to Christ if we showed His kind of love. If they could see God's love in us, I wonder how many of them would desire to have a relationship with Him. I'm not talking about that, that all we should do is this, what's been dubbed as lifestyle evangelism, but our lifestyle has a lot to do with our evangelism. We should live the gospel. We should live a life that shows that we are free from sin and Jesus has the power to set us free. Hey, that, that's, not to, that's not to replace our, our going and telling them and preaching the gospel to every creature. Hey, but as somebody said, preach the gospel every chance you get and when, and when necessary, use words. Amen? We should live it and we should speak it. Let our life and our lips line up with the gospel. Let's love the way God does. Love for God and others must be the basis for everything we do in life. Everything we do. And as we love the way we should, then we'll be able to, we'll be able to move to this second, this second step here. The second point is koinonia. We've talked about koinonia before. Koinonia is the word that, that was used. It's the Greek word that is translated fellowship in Scripture. And, and fellowship is what we enjoy. Another word for it is community. We enjoy community in the local church because of God's love and because of our love. Right? If we don't love the way we should, we're not going to be able to enjoy koinonia. The Bible tells us in the, book of, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. This word fellowship, uh, it, it means they, they, they took time to spend time together. And as they were spending time together, they were talking, they were, they were bearing one another's burdens, as the Scripture says. They were sharing their needs, their cares, and because of their love for one another, they, they would bear those burdens. They would pray for one another. They would intercede for one another. Uh, but uh, but this, this koinonia, this fellowship, it also means it's joint participation. They were working together. 
They were participating together in the work of the Lord. They weren't saying, oh, yeah, well, they're doing that. But, and, 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 that's, and that's, no, they were taking part in what was going on. See, as a church family, God, God wants you to do your part. And when you love the way that God wants you to, each of us will do our part in the local church. To edify the local church, to encourage the local church, to strengthen the local church. And the local church is the individuals. It's not an organization. The church is not an organization. It is an organism. It is, it is a living. It, it is us. It's growing it's, and, it's, and it's alive. And I'm excited about what God is doing here in this local assembly, this local church. As we are opening ourselves to God to do His work in us and to do His work through us. I want to say thank you for, for those uh, who are, uh, for each of you, as you're taking part in the work of the ministry, as you're growing in your Christian life, do, uh, doing what God has called us to do for the, uh, in the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. The Bible says God gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That's to help us to grow and to mature spiritually. We're to grow and mature spiritually for the work of the ministry. That means God has a job for you. As you're growing, there's a job for you to do. Just as, and, and, we, and we, should be, we should be teaching and training uh, each one as they come along uh, to get involved, to find an area, to be involved in the work of the Lord. To be involved in, in doing something for Jesus Christ. And, and, that's, and that is in our own individual lives. That is, that is in our own world, so to speak, as uh, when, when you're at home, when you're at work, wherever you are. Hey, but there's something that we're doing collectively together. There should, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't look at your, at your life as something separate from Cross Point Baptist Church. If you're, a, if you're a member, if you're a part of this church, you shouldn't look at your life as something separate because God is the one that puts you in the church. God is the one that has joined you to the church. And, and you shouldn't see your life as something separate separate it should it should be it should be a way to fulfill God's plan for you and there should be a joy and an excitement about being able to serve God and seeing how God can use you through the local church to make a difference in in this world see God gave the church the, the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature but hey I can't go into the into all the world individually you can't go to every creature yourself but through the local church, we can. Through the ministry of the local church, we can. <coughs> As we're involved, <coughs> excuse me. As we're involved in the local church, God, God has a job for us, and God has a way for us to be involved. Uh, it's, it's through our participation. It's through our giving as we give to the, to the uh, local church. And as we give uh, through the local church to missions, we can, we can support missionaries that go around the world. We can support, support church planters that go to different places and plant churches and reach people with the gospel. And through this means, we can fulfill the Great Commission. But it doesn't happen if we don't do our part if we don't say, I'm going to be a part of that. One of the things I've appreciated as, I, as I've learned more about this, this millennial generation. How many, how many are millennials? I mean, you raise your hand. If you're, if you're a millennial, 
I think that's what, somewhere in the neighborhood of of you're born uh, from 1980 to 2000, is that right? Somewhere around there. How many of you are considered millennials, you know? All right, look at those hands all around. Millennials, we love you, all right? All right, so you can put your hands down. Many times, many times you'll hear people talking about millennials. Oh, those millennials, you know. I saw saw a meme recently and it said, it said millennials uh, walking around like, you know, we rent the place or something, you know. But uh, anyway, people are always giving you a bad time. They're always, always giving you millennials a bad time. But, but one thing I've learned about millennials, millennials want to make a difference. I think it's not just millennials, but, but it seems to be one of, their, one of the defining characteristics of millennials is you want to make a difference. And a lot of millennials, they, they really don't seem to care if they get the credit for it. They just want to be involved in something that makes a difference. And let me tell you, there's no greater way to make a difference than koinonia. This fellowship in the local church. Being involved in doing what God has called us to do in the local church. 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he he goeth, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If if we're saying that we're walking in the light, yet we're in darkness, we're, we're lying, we're deceiving ourselves. If we say we love our brother, but really we hate our brother... If we're looking down, if we're, if we're despising people, if we're hating them, if we're not loving them the way that God says we should love, then we are not going to be encouraging. We are not walking in the light as He is in the light. We're not going to be walking in fellowship with one another. Hey, we, we need to be walking in the light. We need to be walking in love so that we're able to see clearly the plan that God has for us. We need to have, have our vision clear and, and walk in love toward one another. We don't want to be blinded. We don't want to be blinded by the darkness of, of hatred. We don't want to be blinded by the darkness of, of envy. We don't want to be blinded by the darkness of sin. We want to love one another and walk in love and walk in the light of God's love. He said in verse 10, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there's none occasion of stumbling in him. See, if you want, many times people, people wonder, you know, what is the will of God for my life? The will of God for your life is to abide in Jesus Christ. For you to abide in his light. For you to walk in a close fellowship with him. And, and, and if that will be your focus, he'll open doors. He'll give you the opportunities. He'll make his will. Uh, if there's anything different that he wants you to do, he'll make it very plain for you. As I was pastoring in Georgia, uh, I, I had my, my mindset, my focus was I was there, I was pastoring there, and I would often tell the church, my plan and my desire is to be right here until Jesus comes. And that was my heart until Jesus changed it. My focus was on doing what God had called me to do. And, and as I, and I'm not patting myself on the back and saying, look how wonderful I am, you know. No, I'm not doing, uh, what I'm saying is, my heart's desire was to bring glory to God. And for that time, 
that's where God had me. But there came a time when I heard about the number of cities out west with large populations, over 10 times the population of the city that I was in, the little town I was in there in Georgia. Over 10 times the population with not enough Bible-preaching churches to keep up. I went to the altar and I, I knelt and I, I began praying, God, would you send somebody? Would you send somebody to go shine the light? Would you send somebody to go and be a witness there? And God said, go. And in that moment, my heart was no longer there. My desire was no longer to stay at that church where I was in Georgia. But it was to go. To go where God had called me to. And so God called me out here. Hey, I, I don't know where God has, uh, where, what, what God is doing in your heart. But if there's something that God is leading you to do, I want to encourage you to be quick to obey Him. You might be like, well, I don't know what God is leading me to. Then maybe, maybe stay right where you're at. As far as don't make any major moves until you know that God is leading you. And, and, and just be faithful to the Word of God. Be faithful to come to church. Be faithful to participate in the church. Hey, get involved in any area that you can. And if God wants to move you somewhere, He'll make that clear. If God wants to put you somewhere else, He'll make that clear. But hey, let God be the one that makes the choice to move you. But you just stay close to Him and let Him open up the doors for you. Hey, and there are plenty of doors for your involvement in the local church. Let me tell you, the, the church needs each member. Sometimes people, people look here at... at there, there, there are people in churches around the country and they, they look at California and they're like, boy, it's just a, a wicked cesspool of sin and there's no way I'd ever want to move there. And you know what? In many ways, they're right. There, it, 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 California, in many ways, is a wicked cesspool of sin, right? But hey, if, if Christians aren't coming here to shine the light, who's going to? Those of us that are here. Amen? But, but sadly, I'm hearing, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing Christians who are saying, well, I can't, afford, I can't afford to live here, so I'm leaving. And they're bailing on the state. And if the believers are leaving, who's going to shine the light? We need somebody that's going to say, hey, this is where God has me. And this is where I'm going to stay. And this is where I'm going to shine the light. And this is where I'm going to serve. I am going to do my part to see God's work fulfilled here at Cross Point Baptist Church. I want to be, uh, I want to be a part and do my part in joint participation at Cross Point Baptist Church. And as we do that, God will do a work. I want to encourage you, hey, find a place to serve and get involved. And when, you, when we love the way we should, when we love the way we should, the light is going to be shining and we're not going to have occasion for stumbling. When we're walking in the light, we're not going to get tripped up. Amen? Because we're walking in love for one another. And you're not going to get tripped up if you're doing things out of love for one another. You're not going to let the little things trip you up. You're not going to get caught in the traps that the enemy would set for you. But you're going to look at each situation and, be, and, and look at it like, hey, it, what is, what's going to bring the most glory to God 
and what is going to edify my brothers and sisters. We're going we're to look at it through the lens of God's glory and love for one another. The Bible tells us, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Again, charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, doth not, uh, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We're going to look through the lens of charity at each situation, at each decision we make, and what is going to bring glory to God, and how am I going to show love for my church family? How am I going to show love for those around me? That'll help us to keep a, a clear vision. See, uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Paul Chapel says, when the heart is pure, the vision is clear. When our heart is pure, when, when we're loving out of a pure heart, when we are walking with God out of a pure heart, our vision is clear. We can see clearly the plan of God. We can see clearly what God is wanting to do. We can see clearly the decisions we ought to make when the heart is pure. Philippians says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, when, when, we, are, when we are participating together, that's what the, the koinonia, that joint participation, working together, uh, committed to the work of God, serving God together, laboring together, that's what striving together is striving together for the faith of the gospel. And, and when, uh, when we're striving together, it builds that, uh, that's been called synergy, you know, that, that energy that comes through that joint participation, and we can accomplish so much more. But we're striving together, not for self-glorification, not striving together for, uh, for self-gratification, but we're striving together for the faith of the gospel, lifting up God's word, lifting up the truth, so that all may know and all may hear God's love for them. Look at takeaway two. We cannot accomplish God's will in our lives or in the church if we're not striving together. If we're not striving together. See, this, God's wanting us to walk in the light as He is in the light. And God says for us to love one another. We can't hate, uh, hate our brother and walk in the light. So if we walk in the light, we're going to be doing what God has called us to do. We'll have, we'll have fellowship one with another. And this fellowship is going to, is going to lead us to participate together for, for the faith of the gospel. To, to promote Jesus Christ and His Word. And we're going to be striving together. Hey, families ought to be striving together. We shouldn't, leave, we shouldn't leave all of the work on, on uh, our wives, men. We shouldn't leave all the, all the housework on them. We shouldn't leave all the, the training of the children to our wives. We should take responsibility to be the leader in the home. And we should teach the children to respect their mother by us respecting their mother. Right? We should lead through our example. And show them how to love one another by our love for them and for their mother. We should teach them. And, and we should, and wives should, should love. And mothers, many times, you ladies don't seem to have much of a trouble with this. You, you love, but, but sometimes you get, you get bitter because we're not loving the way we ought to. And, that, and that's disillusionment and, and that comes from a lack of, of Real love. 
So let me encourage you, search your heart and let God show you the areas where you're, not, where you're lacking in love or you're not loving the right way. And then look for ways where you can work together to fulfill the goal that God has for you, for your family. And then look for ways that you can be involved in fulfilling the plan that God has for the local church. And that brings us to my last point. And the last point is multi-generational. Multi-generational. The church, the church is multi-generational. And that's the only way that it's going to work and it's going to last. It's going to continue. And I'm, I'm grateful for the multi-generational church. Now, uh, there, uh, we, we, don't have, we don't have too many examples of, of grandparents and, and, and parents and children and all of that. Uh, but there, there are a few of those examples here. This morning, especially with the, the, the uh, child and baby dedication, we have several examples uh, of that. Uh, we have Ariane's mom is with us today. And it's a, such a blessing to have her. So, her, uh, so she's here. Uh, Ariane's uh, brother, uh, Aaron, and his family back there. And then Ariane and Dominique, they're here. And, and got, got, got the, the grandparent, got the parents. And then we see the children, multi-generational. Got uh, Damaris's parents and Hovig's parents here with us. And, and several family members, thank God for that. And then, uh, so grandparents, then parents, Hovig and Damaris, and then their children. Several other examples of that can be seen. Uh, but, but in the local church, we're talking about, the, talking about the seniors. And then talking about the, I guess you'd say middle age or whatever. Then, then the, uh, but we see, we see this multi-generational idea in the scripture. And, and we need this as we're working together, as we're striving together. Because, hey, millennials, you need the older generation. And in older generations, we need the millennials. And, and then, what is it, uh, Gen Z, is that, the, is that the next one? Hey, you need the millennials. I know many of them are your siblings and they're annoying as can be to you, but, uh, but, but you need them and they need you. And you need the other generations as well. We need each other to work together, to strive together. This morning, I've set, I've set three chairs up here for, for us to, to, to use as a visual. And these three chairs, I want us to, I want us to see these as a, as a visual uh, this morning. And, and this, this first chair is representing, is representing the, the older generation. Those, those pillars of the church those senior saints that are examples. That, that's, the, that's the ones that the Bible calls here in, in 1 John chapter 2, the fathers. Then we see the, the second one. This is the one the Bible calls young men. That's, that's me, right? And, uh, and those, that, that's us. The young men. This, this generation in between the fathers and, and the children. And then this one is little children. And, and this is speaking of, of different stages of spiritual growth and, and uh, maturity, spiritual maturity and, and so forth. It also speaks of age. And, and here's the thing. God has, has, has worked in each of these generations, in each life, in each group, in different ways. And He's worked in each, and He is still working in each. But let's see what, let's see what God's Word says to each one. He says, he says in, in verse 12, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. 
I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. I skipped one, didn't I? I have written unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the, the beginning. See, God, uh, God has, has spoken here to, to each of these groups. And he and he he's, and John is writing them, and he says he says I'm writing to each each generation, and I want to tell you, hey, little children. He says he says your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. You know the Bible speaks of the Bible speaks of, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. If, you're, if you are recently born again, if you're recently saved, and uh, if, you're, if you are a, a newer believer, this is what you need to be learning. This is what you need to be focused on, and you need to be growing on in, in the fact that your sins are forgiven. This is what God has done for you. He's forgiven your sins. He set you free. He loves you. These basic things of the Word of God. And you need to be excited about that. You need to be growing in that. You need to be excited about that. And you need to tell everybody you can about that. But then notice he comes to, he, he, he goes over to the fathers and he says, he says, I've written unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. Later, uh, then, and then he says, uh, he says the same thing to them later on. He says in verse 14, I've written unto you fathers because you've known him that is from the beginning. He says to them, uh, you've known him that's from the beginning. First, he says, you, your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. He says, fathers, I've written unto you because you've known him that's from the beginning. You are walking with God. You have had a, a steadfast fellowship with God. It has gone on. So it's not that you have a head knowledge of who he is. He says, but you know him. You have known Him. You've experienced the life of walking with God. And you need to be setting that example. He says, I've written unto you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. You faced some battles. Your sins were forgiven, but you've, you've gone into battle and you've fought some battles and you have overcome the wicked one. Not because of your wit and wisdom and not because of your strength and might, but because God is working in you and through you and you've overcome the wicked one. He goes back and says, I've written unto you little children because you, your sins are forgiven you. I've write, written unto you, young men, because you're strong. And his, his, his word's in you, and you've, you've overcome. I've written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that's from the beginning. These, we see how God is working in each, in each generation. And, and let, me, let me tell you, these, these newer believers, their sins are forgiven, and they're excited about that. And I don't say this to discourage any of you new converts, any of you new believers. But as you grow, you're going to be facing some battles. You're going to be facing some attacks from the enemy. You're going to be facing some hard times. And what you need, you need those in this generation who have been fighting those battles, who have won some battles, to look at you and say, hey... You're doing okay. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. You just keep staying close to Him. Get in the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Hey, you know what that is? It's discipleship. You need to be growing in the Word of God. You need to be strengthened, memorizing Scripture, reading the Bible, praying, staying close to God so you can fight those battles. And as they fight the battles and win the victory, it won't be long before they have graduated to here. They're overcoming 
They've fought some battles they've won. They are strengthened. But you know what? Those that are right here, we're fighting those battles. And sometimes, we, sometimes as, we're, as we fight, we, we fail. Sometimes as we fight, we get to thinking that we're doing it on our own. But as we, as we get in the Word of God and as we continue to fight God's way, these battles, we see greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. And we see that God is the one fighting the battles through us. And we see that God is the one giving us the victory. And we, see, and we learn an intimacy with God that we've never known before. And before long we find ourselves over here, we have known Him that is from the beginning. Growing in this spiritual maturity. And they need... Those, those young men need those that have, that have known him from the beginning to say, hey, it's worth it. You just keep fighting. You just keep plugging along. You just keep laboring. You just keep loving God. You just keep living for God. You just keep serving God and encouraging one another. Hey, that's why we need each generation. The Bible says, hearken unto thy father that begat thee and despise not thy mother when she is old. Young people, let me encourage you. Don't rebel against your parents. Don't despise them. No, their ways and their instructions are not always going to seem reasonable to you. And you may think that you've got it all figured out. And you may think that your way is better. And sometimes it might be. But, but the best way to live is in, in submission and obedience to the authorities that God's put in your life. And one of the best reasons that you can, that you can stop and listen to them and, and follow their example is because they've been down this road before. They've been 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 before. I know it might have been 150 years ago. But, but they've been down that road before. The details of the battles might be different. But the battles are the same because we're fighting the same enemy. He's been fighting, he's been fighting against mankind ever since the, the, the creation of the world when God put man here. Satan has been fighting against man ever since then. For some 6,000 or so years, uh, Satan has been fighting against man. And he, and, he, and he comes at us with these tricks and these tactics and these devices. But we're not ignorant of his devices because they're the same things he's been doing all along. Trying to get you to doubt the goodness of God. Trying to get you to rebel against the, uh, against the wisdom of God and the authorities that God has put in your life. Getting you to think that you're wiser than he. But that's not the case. And we need to, we need to hearken. We need to, we need to love and listen to them. The Bible says the hoary head is a crown of glory. This word hoary, it means, means white haired. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. You know what I love to see? I love to see men and women of God who, who have been living for God and serving God. And, and, and even, even when their head is crowned with white hair, they are still loving and, li and uh, living for God. Just staying faithful. You know what that tells us of the, of the younger generations? It's worth it. It's worth it. I heard uh, a preacher friend uh, years ago, his name is Dr. Don Green, older, older man of God, probably in his 90s now, uh, well into his 90s now, I believe. Uh, he's in Lansing, Michigan. And he preached a message one time and he, and he said, is it worth it? And he began going through and talking about some of the things we face in this life. And he'd say, is it worth it? He'd say, I don't know if it's worth it to you. He said, but let, let me tell you from an old preacher. He said, it's been worth it. 
It's been worth it to face the battles. It's been worth it to go through the trials. It's been worth it to stay faithful to Jesus. It's been worth it to stay faithful to my wife. It's been worth it to stay faithful to, to my church. It's been worth it to stay faithful to my family. It's been worth it to stay faithful to the Word of God. And when this generation says it's worth it, it gives this generation the boldness to say, hey, let me sharpen my sword. Let me just keep on going. Amen? And it gives this generation, when they see them facing it and winning those battles, it gives this generation the confidence to say, hey, if, if he can do that through them, he can do it through me. We need one another. Because here's the thing. We're not all going to do things exactly the same way that, that the other generations did it. And you know what? This generation... This generation is the generation that, that some, of them, some of them may not have had electric lights when they were born. A telephone might not have been in every home. Some of, some of the younger ones of this generation, they might have had a telephone in, in, in their home. This generation is probably those that, that grew up with a telephone in, in their home, but it was attached to a wall. And it had a cord that would go all, that reach all the way through the house a cord attached to the phone that was stuck on the wall. When cell phones came out, they were these, you know, bricks. This generation has seen, has seen it go from brick to little smartphones that has more technology in it than, than the first uh, space, space shuttle that went to the moon. It's amazing. It just blows my mind. But that's this generation. This generation, they're the ones that will show you how to, how to do everything on your smartphones. Right? I mean, if you need to know how to, how to install an app or how to do something or you know, how to tweet or, or post something on Instagram or whatever, hey, ask this generation. They might look at you and be like, tweet, Instagram, you know, uh, whatever. But uh, uh, hey, we don't do everything exactly alike. This is the generation of how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. This is the generation of <clears throat> uh, let, me, let me remember. <laughs> no, this is the generation of, of, of songs like He touched me, oh, He touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something wonderful happened. And now I know He touched me and made me whole. And this is the generation of <clears throat> living hope, reckless love, the man of sorrow, some of those songs that we sing. And, and you'll notice... I don't think we've sung, He Touched Me. But, we, but here, we sing, we sing songs from each generation. We, sing, we, we respect the older generations. We realize that they have something of value to invest in each generation. We don't throw them out and say, old fogies, they, they probably don't even remember that we, what we sang. You know? We'll just tell them we sang those old songs and they won't know the difference. No. We don't do that. No. We respect them. And we realize, hey, there's something about the songs they sing. And we sing some of those. 
Oh, they're, they have to meet the same criteria that the rest of the songs do. They have to be doctrinally sound. They have to be glorifying to God. They have to be worshipful. And they have to be easy to sing. You know, I love, the, I love the Hallelujah Chorus, but we're not singing it, you know? Some of you are like, Hallelujah Chorus, what's that? But to us older generations, we know, right? Uh, so, um, I love those, but we're not singing. It's too hard to sing in a congregation like this. Maybe one day, uh, but hey, we respect them. But just as much as we respect the older generations, the older generation, let me encourage you, don't look at us and say, you young punks with your new songs and these you know, guitars and all, that's not that's out of hell. <laughs> Do you know Isaac Watts that wrote, that wrote the song that we sang this morning, uh, At the Cross? His, he was called carnal and sensual. Because, and his songs were called worldly. I mean, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? How is that lifting up the flesh? But it was considered worldly. You know why? Because it was contemporary. You know what contemporary means? It means current. It was modern for that day. So, at the cross was contemporary one time. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, was contemporary one time. So let me encourage the older generations not to get, not to get upset when, when the younger generations sing some songs that are doctrinally sound, worshipful, uh, uplifting Jesus Christ, focusing on Him, and they're easy to sing. But let's us, let's us not look at them with criticism and spite. See, we need each other. We need each other. And there's going to come a time when this generation, because of age or health or whatever, they're going to graduate to heaven. This generation is going to move here. This generation is going to move here. And based upon how effective we've been in koinonia, loving one another, that's going to determine who sits here. Who are we reaching with the gospel? How many are being saved? Who is coming along and being trained in the work of God? I'll tell you, this seat will be empty or it will be filled by very few if we don't learn to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And strive in love. My prayer is that we'll, we'll work so hard and love each other and strive together so much that this seat is filled and filled and filled, just constantly filled with new people who are being saved and loving Jesus and growing in their love for Him. But that's going to mean those of us who are saved and being trained, we're going to need to be, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, putting on the armor of God, fighting those battles. And we're going to need our examples to lead us and to encourage us as we do. See, the, the, the one common denominator with each of these is the message. The message is absolutely the same in each generation. Some of the methods may change. Some of the music may have changed. But the message is the same. Now, that's not to say that everything that's called contemporary music is the same. And, and God, no, some of it's trash. 
just like some of the old songs. But if they're doctrinally sound, if they are, if they are worshipful, if they are honoring to God, hey, praise the Lord. Let's do it. Amen. We want, to, we want to encourage each generation. We want to strive together uh, in a multi-generational church, recognizing our need for each other. The Bible says, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God. I am the Lord. You know what he's saying? He's saying, show respect. That's why, that's why when an older man uh, comes into the room, uh, there was a time in America when an older man walked into the room that, that the younger ones would stand up. And I want to encourage you to do that. Teach your children to do that. Stand up. Show respect for the older generation. Might, might, might be like, people don't do that anymore. That's kind of weird. Hey, it's biblical. Thou shalt rise up before the horse. Stand up. Show some honor. He says, wilt thou not hide them from their... Uh, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praise of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. Psalm 78 says, The generations to come might know them, even the children which, shall, which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. You know what he's saying? He's saying, teach, teach each generation the ways of the Lord. We look at how, he's, uh, at how he's spoken to each generation in the different ways. And just these two generations, he's given them the same message. He speaks to them and reminds them, your sins are forgiven. He says to them again, your sins are forgiven. He tells him, you've known him that's from the beginning. And again, he says, you've known him from the beginning. He tells this generation here, you've overcome the wicked one. He said, you've been, you're strong and, and uh, God, the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Hey, we need, some, we need these reminders. We need to encourage one another in the Lord. With respect to, to the past and hope for the future, we strive together to accomplish God's purpose today. That should, be, that should be our determination. That should be our resolution as a church family. Look at takeaway three and we'll be done. God is working in each of us in different ways and we're growing at different paces. God is working in us at, in different ways and we're growing at different paces. Hey, we, we need to recognize what God is doing. We need to recognize what God has done. We need to see that these, that these who have gone before us, they are examples for us. They are encouragements for us. We need to follow them as they follow Christ. And they need to, to, to see behind them people that love the Lord and are seeking to serve the Lord in, in their context in today's, in today's society. Hey, uh, st uh, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hey, not, not getting involved in worldliness and carnality, but, but standing and shining the light of the gospel in our generation to win as many as we can striving together generation after generation after generation multi-generational congregation striving together for the faith of the gospel that's how it's going to happen church and I'm excited that it seems that we have a church filled with people of one heart one mind that wants exactly what's been talked about right here from the word of God and so here's the thing you've, you've just, we, we like it we know that's what we need, but here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you saying, I'll do it. I'll commit to it. Now, there's a word we don't like unless it's going to, you know, I'll commit, I'll commit to a car. I'll commit to, you know, uh, to a, a college course or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, what, whatever it may hey, we'll, we'll commit to those things. But we don't often like to commit to serve. We don't often like to commit to things like, like this, but this is what God calls us to. And I want to encourage you, if you want this kind of church that we've talked about today, 
If that's the kind of church that you want, then it's going to take you to commit. And I want to invite you to do that. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're like, well, you know, I'm not part of this church, but I see that that's what, that's what I need. Maybe, hey, if you're from Pasadena area, I want to invite you to come and be a part of this. I want, you to, I want to invite you to become a part of this. It's, it, it starts with you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I talked earlier about, about his love for us that was shown through his gift for us on the cross, paying for our sins there at Calvary. And, and he wants to give you that gift of eternal life. If you'll come to him and receive him. Uh, if, you, if you know you're saved, then I want to invite you to, to be a part of what God's doing here. And if, if, you, if you are a part of, of this church Maybe, maybe you, can, you want to say thanks to God for what He's done in your life. And maybe you want to come and, and say, God, I'm committing myself to our church family, to the work that you're doing here, to see God's purpose accomplished at Cross Point Baptist Church through this church to reach the world with the gospel. Do you know, we live in a day, this, this generation, this, this generation in which we live, has an opportunity like no other to reach the entire world with the gospel. And, and much of that can be done from right here. Hey, I believe, I believe in this L.A. area, we have a greater opportunity to do it than in uh, any other area of the world. With the possible exception of San Francisco or New York, but who wants to live there, right? Uh, so, uh, so, hey, we have the best opportunity to reach the world with the gospel from right here. Who's in? Amen.